Hello, hello. Good afternoon, Fan Expo Canada. How are you? Can't quite hear you yet. How are we doing today, Fan Expo Canada? Well, uh, my name is Moises. I came up all the way from the great state of Texas uh, to host some Q&As for these folks. And right at the top of my list of begging uh, who I got to host was Kathleen Turner. Uh, everybody here fans of Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> Romancing the Stone. Yeah. So we've got a little intro video that's going to play, so I'd like to welcome you all here to the Act Two Theater. This is going to be a lot of fun. We've got microphones set up, two on either side of the auditorium. Uh, so go ahead and start lining up if you've got questions. I've got a couple for you, and then I'm just going to turn it over to you guys. Sound good? So let's play the video, and let's get her out here. Let's hear it for her. Let's bring her out. Ladies and gentlemen, the inimitable Kathleen Turner. Well, hi. It's nice to be back in Toronto. I thought we got rowdy in Texas. Nah. <laughs> Canadians well, sound soft, but... <laughs> well, to, to start off with, we're here at Fan Expo. There's so many people who are fans of yours, fans of your work. I'm, I'm curious what you were, a, you were a fan of when you were a kid. Were you, were you a reader? Did you love the movies? What captured your imagination? I have to say books. Uh, my dad was a foreign service officer, so we lived mostly outside the United States. So particularly uh, the five years I spent in Venezuela when I was... Uh, eight till 13 almost. Uh, there really weren't, there wasn't much TV. There wasn't, uh, most all the films were in Spanish. And although, you know, I learned Spanish, uh, it wasn't quite the same. So most of my imagination and was satisfied by reading. And I always thought, you know, I'd take a book further past its ending and think, well, after that, she does this. And and I think that's how I always felt I wanted to be an actor. There's such a, a wonderful, uh, energetic intelligence to the characters that you play. It's something that there's a lot going on behind the eyes. What, what performances uh, do you feel moved you into wanting to be an actor? What, what did you see on screen that made you interested in doing this as a job? You know, honestly, and, and this is my 40th year now in my profession. Yes. And it is still absolutely thrilling to me, you know. Uh, and I've just started my fourth career uh, after acting and directing and teaching, which I love. I am now building a cabaret. So you may see me here in that. I guess what I can sing. So uh, what, what ended up getting you interested in, in acting, the first of your, your four professions? Well, again, just the reading. Uh, I never really saw much theater. Oh, when I was 13, uh, my father was, was transferred to London. So I went to school at the American School in London. And when I could scrape together you know, enough money, I would go to the theater. And just seeing you know, some of the great theater that was available in London was everything to me. I don't, I don't think I ever really saw many films. I, 
I've always rather felt like film happened to me, that I was busy on Broadway and somebody came along and said, we want you to audition for the Body Heat. And I went, okay, yeah. <laughs> and lo and behold, but uh, it was the British theater that got me really fired up. The theater's a wonderful thing. Once, once a production is up and it's closed, that production's over. And one of the productions that I've missed uh, in my past that I sorely am, am sad to have missed was you in, uh, in Red Hot Patriot, the kick-ass wit of Molly Ivins. Uh, uh, so Molly Ivins, a, a Texan political journalist. Uh, yeah, let me tell you. Was, Molly was a six-foot-tall, tough-talking woman. She was brilliant about uh, politics, and she was a humorist, a columnist. I'll tell you a little story that Molly, Molly says that she and, well, actually, this happened in real life. I walked into my building where I live in New York, and Ann Richards, who was the last great governor of Texas, yes, and Molly Ivins were standing there waiting for the elevator, and they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they said, well, you're coming with us. And I, thought, I said, yes, I am. So they started to tell stories on each other. And one that is perfect, Molly Ivins, is she said, well, now, when Annie was just starting out in politics, all the real business was done at the backyard barbecues. So Annie went to one of these with a young woman who was in her office and a young black man who she had just hired. And people would come up to her and they'd say, Annie, you are just so beautiful. And who is this sweet young thing with you? And they'd go right past the black man and never even see him. Well, Molly said, this commenced to perturb Annie. And so the next one who came up and said, Annie, how do you stay so lovely? She said, thank you, Judge and I'd like you to meet my new husband. <laughs> so I have a one-woman show called uh, Red Hot Patriot, the kick-ass wit of Molly Ivins that I do. That's, got, that's 75 minutes of that kind of stuff. It's just great. Now, I know that you know a lot of people come to these shows to talk about media and movies and all that kind of stuff, but I, I love that you have such a passion for social issues, uh, for you know politics. Oh, do, it's yeah. something you fold into the work that you do. It's, it's indivisible with, with, with who it you is. are and what you've done. It is. I think of it as a, uh, about as an essential part of my life as the, as the work that I love. In New York City, where I live, I, I serve on the board of City Meals on Wheels, and we now feed over 19,000 people, over two million meals a year. Um, yeah. We're doing well. And then for 27 years, I have been uh, chair of the Board of Advocates for Planned Parenthood, which is very important to me. And for 31 years now, God, everything is so long now, guys. I've been on the board of People for the American Way, which is Protection of the First Amendment and Watchdog of the Religious Right. So we are really busy right now. You can imagine. Now let's get some questions from the audience. That's oh yeah, like I like that. We got, we got a few of you out here. Actually, let's, let's start right over here. Hello, Kathleen. Hello. Ms. Turner. Uh, Massive fan, I think like we all probably are, uh, for a very long time. And uh, 1994, you have your first, I think, and only directing credit with a TV short, Leslie's Follies. You were uh, the amazing Stacey Lavelle on The Simpsons. And you were directed by John Waters in my favorite film of your serial mom. Uh, Beverly Supfin is just you know, one of the great all-time characters. And, uh, and that's my wife's favorite movie of all time as well. She's a huge fan of yours. Anyways, so 1994, what stands out? Your first directing credit, uh, being on The Simpsons, or taking direction from the great John Waters? 
Wait, now, you're a little close to the mic, so you're, Sorry. it's hard to understand. I, uh, what's my favorite of 1994? So, Serial Mom, directing, or? Uh, Simpsons, being on The Simpsons. Uh, being on The Simpsons, working with oh. John Waters, yeah. or directing. Oh, The Simpsons character was fun. She created that feminist doll yeah. that no one would buy. Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> I think Serial Mom... Because yeah. I really, I love John, and we just had the best time. I just laughed every day. You know. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right over here. Hello, Kathleen. My question for you is, what has been your favorite part of filming Roger Rabbit? I'm sorry, what? What has been your favorite part of filming Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Your favorite part working on Who Framed oh. Roger Rabbit? Well... <sighs> You know, we, got, we lost Bob Hoskins a year or so ago, huh? who played uh, the detective, who's the most, one of the best actors I've ever known. So many people saw him in that part, didn't realize he was British. No, he did the no John was, John, uh, Bob was brilliant. Uh, so I loved, I loved his work, and I loved having a chance to interact with him. Though most of my work, of course, was just voicing, you know, Jessica. And uh, when it came time, the process uh, in that film is extraordinary and will, will never be done again. It is, it is quite unique. Uh, each frame, the, character, the animation is painted on each frame of the It's unbelievably, well, it's fantastic. Anyway, so they would send me you know, the, in, um, the unfinished footage but Jessica would not have a face, or you know, she wouldn't have her drums. <laughs> because all of that had to be done once we had the breath, once we had the... So one of my contributions, for which I am proud, is I said to Bob Zemeckis, the director, well, why don't we add a lot of big sighs, like, <sighs> and make them bounce. And he liked it, so we did. <laughs> Thank you. Over here we have the Dread Pirate Roberts from The Princess Bride. Hello, Miss Turner. It's an incredible honor to be able to ask you a question today. So thank, thank you very much for being here. Um, I was torn between what to ask about, and I still am. Uh, one of my favorite characters that you played was Charles Bing in The Friends. Um, <laughs> The, and my other favorite character that you played was in Californication, which is just an incredible show, and I loved that character so much. Yeah. I guess... Colini, out. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I will ask about Charles Bing. That character, you played that character in the 90s, at a time when uh, social consciousness about LGBT was not really all that out there at all. Amen. Whereas nowadays, there, it, thankfully, there is a much greater awareness. Well, nowadays, they'd have a real transgender person doing it. <laughs> yeah, probably. But at the time, I was actually, I was in San Francisco doing a one-woman play based on Tallulah Bankhead, which was a lot of fun. But so the creators of Friends came up to um, San Francisco to the show, and they asked me if I would do this. And I said, let me get this straight. I would be a woman playing a man playing a woman. I have not done that before. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun. I thought it was incredibly brave of you to do that, to take on a role like that, uh, given that the time at that time that was not something that you saw on TV. You so know, thank I, you. I just love the challenge of the work. Although Morgan Fairchild, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Over here. Oh, hi, Kathleen. It's uh, an honor to be able to ask you this question and say hello. Thank you so much for your work, which when I was a kid growing up, I loved your movies. I saw so many of them in theaters. It was great. And um, one, of the, uh, one of your best features that I remember was your, your beautiful, sultry voice. 
And I had a question of two part. I guess first of all, um, is is that is that naturally occurring? Is it something that you developed over time? And I'm curious, um, how do you continue to look after after your your voice and your your vocal cords? Did you do anything special to to keep that up? Well. The voice does naturally get lower as you age, which we all know. However, no, when I was in junior high school, uh, they put me in the boys' choir, <laughs> which I did not mind at all. Yeah. I gather you probably did some good work there in the boys' choir. Yes, we harmonized. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, no, I can honestly say that my voice has always been lower than, than most women's expected. But, yes, of course, you work, you work to protect it. You work to, to stretch the muscles in your vocal cords, in your what we call uh, timbre. Yeah? It's the, it's the resonance in your voice, which can... You know when you yawn? Yawn. Ah. <laughs> Okay? All those muscles back there that go like this when you yawn, you can make them do that a lot and then have all the sound resonating within, which is, uh, it's just muscles. You can do it. It just takes years. Thank you. It's a beautiful voice. Thank you. Thank you. We've got someone up here at this microphone up the top. Hi, Kathleen. Um, my favorite film role you ever did was uh, Body you? Heat. Straight, straight up there. They've got four ah, microphones oh, yeah. set up. Okay. My favorite film role you ever did was Body Heat, and I'd like to know uh, your experience uh, working on that. Well, as you know, that was my first film. And in fact, I had never done film uh, before that. So I felt that I had a, an immense amount to learn quickly. Luckily for me, it was Larry Kasdan's first time directing. So he would be, you know, up against the cinematographer saying, why that lens? You know, why that angle? Why that light? Why this? Why that? And I would be right up against Larry, you know, going, what, what, what? So that I've, I kind of got a chance to, to learn uh, on the job, yeah? And I can see now, you know, when I look at that film, if I do, that I, I can see angles and things that I could have done better. But the, what gets you through every day and the idea of a record that will last long past you do is the idea, is the knowledge the certainty that that day you did the best you knew how to. And I, that we can live with, yeah? You know. Man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's see, we've got a question over here. Hi, Kathleen. My name is Meredith. Um, I wanted to first say that Romance in the Stone, when I was 10 years old and my sister took me to the movie theater, we both got out of there thinking Joan Wilder was the coolest lady ever. Um, she, didn't, she didn't have any superpowers, but she was a hero. And for a 10-year-old girl with two older brothers, I came home being like, ha, ha, ha. So thank you so much. Good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was just curious, it was more as a, fa a fan of that movie. Do you have any kind of memories or funny stories or anything you could share with us about that Oh, my movie? stars and garters. Uh, can we, can we, could we start with, is Mike Douglas a good kisser? <laughs> oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> no, I, I, I got it out of the way because somebody would have asked him. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Demonstrating taking care of the voice as she urged us all to earlier. Now, mm. oh my goodness, memories. Okay, here's one that, let's start with the fact that, you remember that mudslide? Yes. We did that five times. <laughs> if you think filmmaking is easy, you know, rethink, guys. What, Michael, when he was having the glass 
heart, the emerald made, he kept rejecting ones that were, you know, that were brought to him as not looking good enough, not looking real, never way. So we had six rejects of these green glass hearts, yeah? So once we got into the filming, and we were in the mountains in Mexico, and it really was raining as hard as the roads were washed out every day, we would have to bring in truckloads of gravel and rebuild before we could get to our location. Um, the conditions were so difficult that it became a, a sort of ceremony at the end of the week that whoever had had the worst week or gotten hurt the most got one of the green emeralds. <laughs> I have two. We don't have anybody over there. Right over here. Yep. Hi, Kathleen. Um, I don't know if you remember, I went to get your autograph and I got you to autograph my undercover blues. <laughs> yes, and I think so. We met briefly. Briefly, and you were telling me about the fight with Fiona. Well, actually, as the uh, young lady just mentioned, and you said the mudslide, how was the mud fight with Fiona? How long did that take? And how much showering did you have to do after that? Oh, you're talking about undercover blues. Yes. Yeah. And, and Fiona Shaw was playing the, the villainess in that great Irish actress. She, she doesn't like to be called British. I have to call her Irish. Anyway, Fiona, however, is not a fighter by any means. And there is that spectacular fight in the mud in undercover blues. So uh, her stunt double was uh, the bronze medalist at, in karate at Seoul Olympics. <laughs> and I fought her. Uh, this is before I got rheumatoid arthritis or anything, do you know? And I was really, um, I loved martial arts. I loved all that stuff. But it was, yeah, it was uh, really thorough muddying. <laughs> how long did it take to shoot that? Like, how many days were you stuck in the mud? Oh, no, no, the fight we could only do one day because the That's risk good. of anybody getting hurt were too great. Uh, so you try and do one, you know, you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse while you're pulling all of your blows, right? So that when you actually go for the fight, you, you really hope you're only gonna do it once, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. And we don't have anybody left at the mics. If you have a question, get up to the microphone. Well, this guy hopped right up. You took your cue well, thank you. <laughs> Hi, uh, Kathleen, it's great to uh, see you here. Um, I have sort of a three-part question. What do you think your best film is? What was your film you had the most fun doing? And what film did you learn the most? Oh, interesting. Uh, my best film. That's, Mine is War of the Roses. <laughs> War of the Roses is good, but I, I honestly, I would posit to you that I haven't made a bad film. Okay. <laughs> no, but what's your, what's, your, what's your best? But um, I, I, I'm not sure what my best would be. I know some of the most challenging, and I think... Uh, the, one of the, some of the hardest work for me was with Ken Russell in Crimes of Passion. Right. Which is not a great film, but there I might have learned the most in terms of, of acting because he was, he was an extraordinary director, yeah? Insane, but extraordinary. <laughs> uh, and then you throw in Anthony Perkins. <laughs> oh, God help me. Mm. Uh, I survived. That's it. Uh, what was the other part? Uh, which film did you have the most fun doing? You know, the most fun are with Michael and Danny. I mean, it's always the three of us. You know, it's always Michael and Danny DeVito and, and me. Uh, so, Michael, uh, Danny di directed War of the Roses. And, you know, the three of us used to play tricks 
and other people in the cast and crew, when we were out with uh, Romancing and, and with Jewel Denial, we were kind of, you know, bad kids. Um, we never hurt anybody, I swear to God. <laughs> you know, but we do little things, any case. Um, oh, what, I knew you'd ask that. Oh, once we, we substituted somebody's makeup so it came out all orange and bad. Yeah. <laughs> we had to go back and redo it. That was bad. Anyway, but see, nobody got hurt. Anyway, uh, but the three of us together have had so much fun. Uh, we had a rule, though, in War of the Roses that because these characters are so appalling to each other, that uh, nobody could leave the set that day without hugging each other. Because you, you, you could never let it feel real, do you know? You had to wipe, wipe that off and before the next day. Cool. By the way, I have uh, rheumatoid as well, so I feel your pain. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. Do we have somebody over here? There we go. That's a little high for her. <laughs> Just take it. It's yours now. Uh, I'm a huge fan, probably for most of my life. One of my favorite movies of yours was V.I. Wachowski. I thought she was so cool and inspiring. But my question is about your work with Michael Douglas, because clearly you've worked with him several times. I was wondering how the first time came about. Um, was that just a coincidence that then led to your further collaborations, or did you actually try to work together? We, I, I couldn't really, it's, there's an odd sound thing going on. So the, from, from the first time that you were cast together with Michael Douglas, yeah. was, uh, did you already know each other? Did your future collaborations come as a result of that first successful pairing? Ah, no, well, we didn't really know each other. And I can tell you uh, a story, I think it's okay now. Yeah, I think it's okay, <laughs> Kathleen, I think it's okay. That originally, uh, Debbie Winger, Deborah Winger was cast as Joan Wilder. And then evidently, she and Michael were having dinner at a Mexican restaurant, and they had too many margaritas, and she bit him. <laughs> so that was the end of her being cast. Anyway, but anyway, so then I, so then, uh, so then he called me up, and anyway. Uh, I think that, um, when, it's, it's fantastic to go back and work again with someone that you've worked with so closely. I mean, making a film is, you, you, you live together. It's like you're being at summer camp and the rest of the world sort of ceased to exist, you know, everything. Because you work 14, 16 hours a day. Uh, so it becomes very real, very fast. So when you come up against working with a person that you've shared that kind of experience with again, for example, working with Larry Kazin and Bill Hurt in Accidental Tourist, you know, years after we did Body Heat, was just, you just, right away, you just settle right back in and you go, oh, hi, I know you. And it feels so good to be back with the people you've, you've been through so much with. Yeah. Thanks so much. Right over here. Hi. Um, con considering your social interest, have you ever considered running for any kind of political office? Mm. Governor Turner? Um, <laughs> this has actually come up quite often uh, in my life. Well, certainly in the last 10 years or more. Uh, sometimes I think it might be my responsibility on the other hand, I think I achieve a great deal in my presence, uh, in my present position. So I wonder that I'm not more effective doing what I do as an actor and continuing to work with the organizations. Uh, I travel to a different Planned Parenthood affiliates every year across the country to give them, you know, keynote speeches, to fundraise, to create awareness. Um, I, as a politician, I wouldn't be free to do a lot of what I do now. 
So that always stops me. Thank you very much. That got serious, guys. Who was the most unique director you've ever worked with? Well, Ken Russell was the most unique for many reasons. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, in, in my book, Send Yourself Roses, which, by the way, I just recorded for audio. You can get it on Amazon. And I'm very funny. Um, I, I speak of Ken as, you know, I saying, I tell you, I got background. Okay. Bill Hurt worked with Ken uh, before I did in Altered States. And so when I agreed to do Crimes of Passion, I called up Bill and said, you got to tell me a little more about this guy. And he said, well, at 5 o'clock in the morning, he offers you a scotch. Uh-huh. Well, when it came time for Crimes of Passion, Ken had switched to wine. So he would offer a glass of wine at 5 in the morning, which seemed to me an improvement, you know, <laughs> uh, going in the right direction. Anyway, and I wrote something like that in my book. Any case, so I got a long letter from Ken saying that he, he thought I'd been very kind to him. Uh, and he wanted me to know that he no longer had those habits or anything. Meanwhile, he had a whole new concept for doing, he wants to film Alice in Wonderland. And he wanted me to be his Red Queen. And then he said, now you will be clothed, though your court will not. <laughs> I thought this is going to be a real easy no. <laughs> yeah. But then the next month, he suddenly died. So I didn't have to say no. <laughs> For which I was glad, you know. Because uh, the man is a, was a genius. He really was. Thank you. Looks like we've got time for one more. We've got one more right over here. Hi. Um, Californication. Uh, the character you played was, was so interesting and so funny. Um, I'm wondering how much of that um, you brought to it versus the writing, and were there elements of individuals you'd crossed paths with in the movie business over the years that you brought to that character? I can honestly say that there is very little of Succolini in me. I tell you, I ended each day like beat red, blushing. The most awful thing was I would have to ask people what things meant. <laughs> now this is really embarrassing when you have to ask your grown-up daughter. And then you want to know how they know that. <laughs> yeah. No, every single day, I mean, I, I think I was, well, protected by a sense of innocence because I didn't know what I was saying half the time. You know, I just knew I could make it sound funny. But no, I do. I am, I am, I look, I'm blushing now for God's sake. I'm like, not me, really not me. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I've, I've actually got one more, a bit of a follow-up on, on various things that people have said. You mentioned being on a, on a set is like going to summer camp. You've talked about uh, some of these wonderful collaborations. I, one of the, the luxuries of doing this is I get to go and listen to a bunch of interviews that people have done. I listened to an interview you did with Alec Baldwin about five years ago. Oh, that um, was funny. And touching on the notion... I think I called him an asshole. I, 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 I think you told him he, he was full of himself or something. Oh, I was being nice. And he took yeah. it. <laughs> Well, I, you, we've mentioned some of your recurring collaborations, and I wonder if there was a director or actor, scene partner, in film or the theater that, uh, that, that maybe you didn't get an opportunity to collaborate with again, or that you would have wanted oh. to collaborate with yet again. Oh, there are you, many. You worked with, I mean, Roger Rees on the stage, a well, brilliant, brilliant he, talent. But he, he passed away, do you know? Uh, oh, there's almost no one that I would not be happy to work with again, except Okay, the one and only film of which I am not proud, I will tell you. It's Switching Channels with Burt Reynolds. <laughs> now let me tell you something about that. 
Now, I was actually, I had accepted that role with Michael Caine playing the other role, right? And it's sort of a, it's a, it's um, uh, a remake of Front Page, the Rosalind Russell, Cary Grant, old film, where the two of them, they were married for, they're journalists, they were married for seven years, and then they were, um, they still worked together even though they were divorced, so they've known each other forever, they irritate the hell out of each other, and somewhere inside they still love each other, yeah? So Michael and I had a rehearsal, and we were trying to figure out the best way to get through all the exposition and show people this relationship. So one of us said, you know, why doesn't one start the sentence and the other finish it? And the other start it and the other finish it. So that we know right away how well they know each other and how in tune they are and how smart they are about each other. And I said, that's great. So we worked out, we rehearsed for a couple of days. And then Michael was doing Jaws 4. And the Jaws, the shark kept breaking down. Now, I was pregnant, so I had an end date, as I say. So I shot for about three weeks. I shot everything I could without his character. And it became obvious he wasn't going to get free. So the producer hired Burt Reynolds. Now, I'm willing to try to work with anybody. But the first day we were trying to do that scene I just described, and Bert couldn't do it. He couldn't finish the sentence. He couldn't, he couldn't keep the speed. He couldn't keep the tempo, yeah? And, and he said, I, you know, stop, stop. Let's shoot line by line. I said, because it's called a scene. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the end. I understand he has described me as making him want to vomit. I myself am much nicer than that. That's incredible. Now, you're, you're here the rest of the weekend up in the, the autograph I hall. I uh, am. This is the first time I've, I've come to one of these. And it's, uh, wow. Guys, what a... The energy is off the charts, right? It's crazy here. <laughs> Have you gotten anything particularly interesting or unique that somebody's brought to you to sign so far, other than just a picture, you know, a poster? Or no, 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 no. Well, you know, memorabilia and things, you know. And Jessica Rabbit dolls, which are very odd. <laughs> well, uh, a couple of quick little program notes. If you're a VIP and you're wanting to stick around for Nolan North's Q&A after this, you can stick in the room. Otherwise, we've got to empty the room after each. We've got a bunch of other wonderful programming. Uh, but much more importantly, we have the incredible, the magnificent, and wonderful Kathleen Turner with us for the first time at one of these conventions. Make her want to come back, everyone. Thank you. Keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going.
Did you give up? Did it get easier? Every little would link us, let Johnny wishes he was famous Spends his time alone in the basement With a Lennon and Cobain And a guitar and a stereo Well he wishes he could escape this But it all seems so contagious Not to be yourself and faceless In a song that has no soul Yeah.